With me today, I have Jeremy Brand from MMA Sucker, as well as the UG Underground. What is what is the actual, what is it all, what's the UG Underground thing? It's called MixedMartialArts.com, or the UG, which is the forum side of things, the Underground. Uh, yeah, the Underground Podcast is what the show is called. You, people always, I get text messages, or I mean direct messages from people um, on a regular basis, and it always ends somewhere along the lines with you, that I'm a busy person. And I think inside my head, each time somebody says that, I think of you. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm perceived busy because it looks like I got a whole bunch of shit going on. But you are truly the person in where I'm like, he's got shit going on. You, you're, you have kids. You're your teacher. Uh, you train in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And you have 15 different radio shows. I have that. I play hockey as well. I sometimes coach some sports teams. I uh, got to take the kid to, you know the little one to all her sporting events and her stuff and she does gymnastics now and also you know n- along with those things running the website as well mmasucka.com and yeah man I-, I guess busy is good though right busy isn't a bad thing it means that you know life is still going on and we're still waking up each and every single day despite me being sick today I'm actually doing this podcast from my bed <laughs> Is this your first podcast from the bed? I know you've done one driving. Is this your first bed cast? Uh, no, I, I think I've done a couple bed casts, actually. Uh, that's the joy of you know recording at home and having a studio at home. I, I can still move stuff around and, and bring it to wherever I need to be. And as you said, yeah, I've done it in the van before or in my car on the way to hockey and whatnot. But yeah, sitting in bed isn't such a bad thing. I got the TV on and watching some pre-UFC stuff on the TV while we chat right here. Which is why I have you on today's episode. Um, I thought it would be good for you and I. Well, both of us have been actually going back and forth over the fact that we should, you know, do this more often. Um, But once again, you being the busiest man in the world and me being a perceived busy person, I have to make it seem like I have to make time for you, whereas I, I probably always have time. But you literally found some time today. You faked an ailment so that you could record with me. And <laughs> we are going to break down uh, UFC, Manchester, Bisbing versus Hendo. Or should it be Hendo versus Bisbing? I mean, Hendo did win uh, their first their first outing. Bisbing is the champ. It's got to be Bisbing versus Henderson. It's This is a fight that I'm... I mean, it's a fight that can go either way. Not in terms of the winner, but in terms of... How the fight will actually play out. Like, what do you mean it can't go either way in charge of in, in terms no, it, of the winner? It, it, it can go either way in, in terms of no, the winner. No, that's what I'm saying. Sure. It can go yeah. either way in terms of the winner, but I'm not saying it can't. That's not what I'm talking about, really. What I'm talking about is the fact that this fight is, is sort of a lose-lose for, for Michael Bisping. I mean, he wins. So what? He avenged a loss against Dan Henderson in 2016. The man is 100 years old. You're beating a guy who has been in the sport forever, and a guy that probably should have retired a little while ago. If Henderson wins, you know, he goes out on his shield. Michael Bisping could have gone out on his shield already. When when he won that title, that was a feat in itself, and it was something that, it was basically a storybook ending, which it would be if Henderson won this fight as well. And, you know, arguably marking him in history books with being, you know, the pride champ and, and all that other stuff, he's got... Many, many accolades under his belt. So Three pride belts, yeah. one strike force belt. The only thing missing from his mantle. I mean, this is an Olympic a- 
athlete. The only thing missing in this man's life is the UFC belt. And it will likely had still be missing chances. after this fight. You know, you're right. You are you are very right. I think uh, we've had conversations off the air many times about your um, man love for Michael Bisbing, and I get that. Um, I did want Michael Bisbing to win the belt. I mean, Michael Bisbing is one of those polarizing characters that at first I absolutely hated him. I did not like him in any way. I didn't like his smug his smug tone. I didn't like the way he carried himself. Um, from people that I had uh, interacted with that have had interactions with him, said he wasn't necessarily always the nicest individual. Um, he smoked. He was out drinking. You know, all of the things that don't, in my in my own head, don't make a champion. But like I said, that was before. That was the old Michael Bisbing. I've been watching this man now fight for almost a decade. After that, after a man putting in, putting himself out there for that long, you. you it just goes away. Anything that you thought about him, you're just like, he, he's a workhorse. You know what I mean? He deserved that championship. A man that is going to put everything on the line for as long as he did, any fighter, and to stick it out, I think they all deserve that moment. And I, and I'm, I was I rooted for Bisbing when he fought Anderson Silva I, just because I thought that was his championship belt. If he could beat Anderson Silva, the the uh, at one time the GOAT of uh, our sport of choice, MMA, Oh, for to sure. Beat him. Yeah. That is that is your own belt. I mean, and I'm sure Michael felt that way. And then to have the opportunity on short notice, nerves must have been must have been the easiest part for him there. He's he's already fought the guy once. He lost, so he goes in with lowered expectation as it is going in against Rothold. He didn't have to have the stress of the training camp, the media, everything that goes with it. Just gets to go in and just fight. And it, and it, and it I think that it it shows that a lot of the other stuff that goes with it with the build-up for a fight, can deter and take away from your fighting. Because I know from the the few chances I've had the opportunity to step into a ring and have the exhibition boxing matches I've had, I had the opportunity once with no notice. I got asked the day before, and that was the easiest time because I, I didn't have any time to dwell on it. I just got to go in the ring and, and swing. The other times when I had like six, eight-week training camps, I was nervous as fuck. And it, I wasn't nervous about losing, I was I was nervous about looking bad in front of my peers. Yeah. And I think and I think that's the same thing that goes through a lot of these fighters' brains. It's not necessarily the loss, because every single one of these guys has lost. They whether whether it was on the mats in jujitsu, whether it was a training session, uh, Michael uh what uh sorry, uh, Dan Henderson went to the Olympics, I do not think he got a gold medal. Which which means he had to have lost. Yeah, and he's I mean, he's lost plenty of times in his mixed martial arts career. He's also won plenty of times in his mixed martial arts career. We've seen these guys go through the ringer, and and as you said, Michael Bisping is a guy, he, he's a guy that you either love or you hate, and he's a guy that I, as you said... I've learned I've learned to love exactly. him. I have. This is a win, he, this is a win-win fight for me. It yeah. truly is. It's not, it's not one of those lose-lose fights. It's like when Nick Diaz fought BJ Penn. I'm like, this is lose-lose. I don't want to see BJ lose, and I definitely don't want to see Nick lose. It's a lose-lose for me, as a fan. Yeah, as a fan, for and, sure. And this... And this is a win-win for me. If Henderson wins, fucking awesome. He gets to go out with the belt. Like, what? It's a storybook ending. I mean, they don't write Disney movies better than that. And then if Bisbing wins, fucking awesome. He gets to be champion still. I, to me, this is a win-win fight. I yeah I I completely hear you there. I I'm, I've been a Henderson fan for a very long time. I just I. <laughs> 
he has a puncher's chance, of course. He can win from anywhere in that octagon, and we've seen that. He's been rocked before. We saw what happened when he fought numerous fighters. He's been dropped. He's been, you know, and he comes out the back door and he slugs You him. only have to go as far back as his last fight. He got oh, yeah. dropped twice by Hector Lombard. Yeah, for and sure. And he still came back. Spinning elbow we'd never seen, or a, a clo- uh, short distance back elbow. And then finishes up with two um, devastating elbows to the face. At the same time, yeah, I, I I agree. You know, he comes from behind. He does all that stuff. He's been hit a hell of a lot. But in terms of growth over the last two or three years, Michael Bisping has come a lot farther than Dan Henderson has. His his growth in the sport has come full, like not even full circle. It's done a complete 180. He's gotten so much better. He's become patient. He's... Like you said, he's a dedicated athlete to the to to his exactly. Like yeah, he, he still is he, a man. I have to man. agree with you. You know what I mean? I agree with you. He has fully become a better fighter. I watched um, their first fight at 100, and I was actually it had nothing to do with um, the outcome of that fight or whatever. But watching Bisbing in there, he just looked like an amateur level fighter in comparison to the fighter I'm used to watching now. For sure. I completely agree. Even back to his fight, his first fight against Luke Rockhold, as you said, he he lost that fight, and then he came out here on five days' notice to take on Luke. Obviously, Luke was looking over him. He was looking past him. He didn't believe that Michael Bisping could actually beat him. And Bisping in that fight, his footwork, his uh, head movement, he, he made Luke Rockhold miss a ton of punches, and I think that's what ultimately led to him finally landing that big shot that dropped Luke Rockhold. And I mean, as you said, he's come very, very far in his mixed martial arts career. I believe Michael Bisping will get the job done on Saturday night, and it's going to be a fun fight to watch regardless. You know what? I've pri- okay. So I've done some research and watched the few Michael B- the few like I've watched the Luke Rockhold fight um, and a few others in the lead up to this. And honestly, I was just going off of the first fight. I was going off of what I know Henderson can do. Also, the the mental advantage that Henderson is going to have. Um, you know, regardless to whatever anybody ever says, if somebody's beaten you, that doesn't leave your brain. No, yeah, for sure. You you know that from jujitsu. Like I don't know how. Maybe not. You're you're maybe not as bad as me. But when I was training on a regular basis. I knew everybody in that gym that had ever beaten me <laughs> and it never left my brain because they were always on my list to get back. If they were better than me and they got me because they were better, I'm just going to train harder until I can get them. So no way in hell is that leaving Michael Bisbing's brain that what did transpire that first time and the what if factor that Henderson brings into the octagon. For sure. Yeah, definitely. In the gym, as you say, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you there. There are guys that I go home at night and I'm in the shower washing the gross-ass sweat off of my body thinking, fuck, that guy for sure is my kryptonite. <laughs> it, it really sucks. Yeah, and so just think of a different level of that. So that's that's going to, I do believe that is a major factor that's going in, uh, that that is going to hold Michael Bisbing back a, get, a bit. I think he's going to be hesitant at first. And if he can, if he can, if he can rock Dan quickly, or or take charge really quickly, like the way Luke Rothhold usually does, you know what I mean? He like he he takes control of the fight and 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 dominates it right from start to finish, yeah. um, kind of like what he did with with Weinman after he peeled him off of his back. Um, 
If he can do that to Dan and get Dan on his heels, I think he's got a chance. But if he goes in and he's hesitant right off the bat, thinking, okay, Henderson's going to throw a big bomb, i got to stay away, I think that's going to weigh on him for the full fight. And that's where that's the what-if factor. If, if, if Michael goes in there and fights him the way he fought Luke Rothold, yes, I agree. The, the knees and the clinch, he's, his knees and the clinch, no one ever talks about his knees and the clinch. They're phenomenal. Yeah, his his clinch work is and, through and, the roof, man. He, up against the cage, that's where he wins fights. Especially, you know, that fight against Chael Sonnen. No, a lot of people don't even look at that fight, and I believe he truly won that fight against Chael Sonnen. He, I, I was on the, sale, the Chael Sonnen train at that stage of my life, um, so I wanted Chael to win because I wanted the Anderson Silver fight more than anything. I wanted that rematch, and I, and I and I bet you did too. Yeah, regardless yeah. Of whether, I was I I what, I was a Chael Sonnen fan completely. Yeah. But watching that, but fight, I do I feel think, Michael Bisping won that yeah, fight. Yeah, exactly. I completely. So agree. he he does get overlooked. I I do. I always feel he's been overlooked. I think he's going into almost every fight as the underdog, unless it was like, was it, who was the guy he spat on his trainer? Oh, Jorge. Jorge. Was it? Who was it? You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Remember, he spat on his trainer. Yeah, I forget. I think that, that was the only time Mike ever had a fight where everybody was like, "Yeah, Mike's gonna win this." <laughs> yeah, this one is is for sure a toss up. And you know, Bisping thinks that Dan Henderson's gonna take him down. He he doesn't think he's gonna have to look out for that H bomb as much as everyone thinks he's gonna have to. He thinks because of Dan's age, I guess he's gonna go in there and try to surprise him and take him down with his wrestling. But if you look at the stats on on Dan Henderson's takedown accuracy. Being a wrestler that he is, I mean, it's only sitting at 50, just over 54%. And Bisping does, has some very, very good takedown defense. So Chael couldn't keep him down. No, and exactly. Chael, that's he what Chael's pop, bread and butter was. He pops back up as quick as they come. So, I mean, we haven't seen Bisping off of his back all that much, but his jiu-jitsu is, is pretty decent as well. So, who knows? You don't. People overlooked that that was the first martial art that he actually picked up. Yeah. They think because he's from the UK, he's a boxer. He's not. He's a he's first and foremost a jiu-jitsu practitioner. Yeah, and and his wrestling takedown defense is really really good. Dan Henderson I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. I truly do. Some of the best in the UFC. Yeah. So, we'll see, man. I mean, it's it's not the last not time I recall that's for sure. I don't think no, it's a it's not. it's not one where I'm going to flip a coin and find out who wins. I'm truly picking Michael Bisping to pick him apart. I don't think he'll finish him early on, but I think he's going to pick him apart and, and able to dictate the pace in this fight. I think that's what's going to start at the beginning, and then he's going to get, he might get a little, uh, not fancy, but a little like, I'm overwhelming him, and then there's a really good chance of getting clipped. And that's kind of where I'm going. I'm leaning towards Dan, but almost as the upset of the fight, he wasn't winning the fight. Kind of like what happened with Hector. Kind of what happened with Shogun Hua one and two. See, I, I'm sort of leaning. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning the opposite way. I think Dan's gonna be. You know, he might clip Bisping a couple times. Not not big bombs, obviously. Not that H bomb. But I think that's what's gonna lead to Michael landing the clean shot that he wants. It's gonna be a bit of a counter punch. I think Dan's gonna come in there sort of reckless and. And maybe Bisping will land that sort of short little elbow or punch or or even a knee. I think that's what gets the fight to the ground and, and ultimately leads to Michael Bisping's hand being raised. 
And you're entitled to that opinion. I and I'm I entitled am. to mine. <laughs> That's the uh, joy yeah, of no, the I sport. Think, I think we could go back and forth on outcomes or how how each of our I feel Dan's going to win. You feel Michael's going to win. As I said at the beginning, though, it is it's it's a win win fight. It doesn't matter who wins for me. Um, I like to watch the outcome of the the tournament format that we'll get to see who actually becomes the champion if uh, Dan wins and relinquishes the belt. But I'd also like to see. I would love to see uh, Michael Bisbing get back in there if he wins this um, and redeem some of his other losses. That would be great. Yeah, and, and you know, they say to to actually call yourself the champ, you have to defend your belt. And that's what Michael Bisping has to do to truly cement himself as, you know, the 185-pound champion. Yes, he has that belt around his waist right now, but it'd be nice to finally see a few guys defend their belts a little more often than, you know, anyone else out there does it seems like the belts these days have been revolving doors ever since gsp left the sport and and john jones hasn't been around the belts have been changing hands quite a bit it is if you're a newcomer to the sport and you're just getting into it let's say you've watched the last year how could you get behind a champion in any way i mean you can get behind fighters yeah you can get behind fighters and you can get uh you can get behind uh Demetrius. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, other, other than him, there's, yeah, looking at it, there's and no let's one be else. Honest, I mean, outs- Dominic outside Cruz. of his mom and wife, nobody's getting behind him. No, not a chance. Yeah. World's best fighter. It's only his grandmother, mom, and wife watches. Care about his <laughs> and he's literally the pound for pound best fighter that the UFC has ever seen. Oh, man. His, his skill set is through the roof. He's so fast. He. Knockout power. He taps people out. He's he's ridiculously fun to watch. But people leave the building when he's in the cage because they think they can beat him up. He's a goddamn technical wizard that would kill uh, two hundred and sixty-five pound men. No problem. Definitely untrained two hundred and sixty-five pound men. That is. Yeah. Um. So I have a question for you, and this is the one thing I'd think of now. Michael Bisbing is the champion. So on the the rankings, obviously he's 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 king king shit. He's number one. The the big dog on the block. Yep. If he wasn't champion, um, where would he be sitting right now? You think, like, or if he loses this, where are they going? Let me let me place another way. If if he loses this right now, he's number one. They lose this, where do they drop him to? <sighs> Tough to say. I'm gonna look at these rankings right now. I'm gonna pull them up. But they, speaking of rankings, I, I was talking about this on the Underground podcast, and last week actually, not this week. Because last week we had Eric Spicely on, who defeated Tiago Santos by some of the wickedest jiu-jitsu wizardry I've seen inside the cage in a long time. That was fun to watch. Oh man, that back take was ridiculously good. But so very, very tough to say where they would put Michael Bisping because rankings don't really matter. We see that because Dan Henderson is ranked at what number thirteen. How does that make anything matter when it comes to rankings? Obviously, they want redemption. They want the fight to be, you know, fun for the fans, and they want it to be, uh, I don't know. Who else, honestly, though, and let me let me put this as a question. Who else would you rather see him fighting right now? Jacare. Really? I don't, because I think Jacare will win. I do, too. I completely agree, but he's the one. And I like, and I'm, and I would, I like this fight either way. Like I said, it's win-wins. If Henderson wins, that's awesome. Gets to go out as a champion. 
uh, Michael Bisbing wins, he gets th- he gets that one win. Yeah. And then he gets to go on into the murderer's row that is his division that he is champion of. And they it, they are all legitimate murderers. They are. The middleweight division used to be a hunk of shit when Anderson Silva was the kingpin. I mean, how many times did he have to beat up Rich Franklin, right? So now you're looking at these rankings and you got Luke Rockhold, you got Chris Weidman, you got Jacare, you got Yoel Romero. Who cares about Vitor Belfort because he's on his way out. He's on this card as well, I might add. Um, and... It's, yeah, we'll get in him. It's in a, complete, we'll get onto him in a second. Yeah, it's completely through the roof. I do that. It, obviously, Jacques Ray is the one who deserves the title shot. He's going to get the next title shot for sure if he beats um, Luke Rockhold in their matchup next month. So we'll see how that goes. And I think Jacques Ray beat Luke Rockhold when they fought back in Strike Force. No one else does, but I do. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think he won, but that's okay. But that's his his game has evolved so much more from that fight way back then. He can strike now. He can knock people out. I think he's the guy that is knocking on the champion's door more than anyone else in this division. Yeah, I always think back to the Arrow, the Romero fight. It's like it's like he didn't show up. Yeah, I, I hear Jacare, you there. You all Romero yeah. is like juiced to the tits, though. I mean, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a goddamn cheater is what he exactly. is. Exactly. Doesn't in get off every... the stool. Like I, I, yeah. I have hated him and hate is a strong word. I mean, I mean it in the loosest term possible. I mean it in MMA hate, which isn't real life hate. It's just like you're, I, I dislike you as a fighter. Uh, when he didn't get off the stool with Tim Kennedy, I just lost, like I lost respect for him as a fighter. And I mean, I should have only respect for him considering what he's decided to do for his life. Yeah. For his living. But I lost it. I lost all respect. I'm like, there's a certain rule set and a warrior's code that goes along with stepping into that octagon and get off your fucking stool and fight. And if you can't, just say, hey, I can't. I lose. Exactly. And don't, fine. don't make I'm, up I'm fine excuses. Don't make up excuses that, you know, fuck, I, I don't understand English, so I didn't know that I had to get up off my stool. There's there's no need for that. That was. Ab- what about the referee waving his hands in the upward motion? Yeah. What about that? <laughs> It's it's an international sign language. It's like sending somebody a middle finger. We all know what it means. Yep. But as you say, the w- ranking one through four, those guys are all fighting each other in the next little bit, right? Chris Weidman versus Yoel Romero. That one's going to set up who could also be next in line. I mean, if Weidman wins, he legitimately deserves another shot as well at the belt. So Yeah, this is definitely the little mini tournament they have going on right now for this division. And, and I think they're setting it up... I. They're setting it up both ways. You know what I mean? If Henderson um, wins and and relinquishes the belt, then they have like the the contender set up immediately. Yeah. Who should fight next? Yeah, for sure. And if not, then it's just like they have to put one more fight in there. They give Bisbing a you know six months off, and then Bob's your uncle. <laughs> somebody is going to be beating up Bisbing for the belt. Yep. It's it, it definitely honestly, seems that way. I do. I could see Michael Bisping beating Chris Weidman if that's the case, though. Chris Wyman that showed up to fight um, uh, Luke? Yeah, I do. Chris Wyman that showed up and beat the shit out of Damian Maya? I don't think no, so. No, not that one. The, uh, the, the guy that um, put, uh, uh, well, uh, fuck, Mark Munoz into retirement. Yeah, and that, that was a slick I don't know, elbow, man. too. Yeah, it, it depends yeah. on which Chris Wyman shows up to fight, for sure. I agree. I mean... You can say, yeah, he beat the shit out of Anderson Silva twice, but that was an Anderson Silva that was toying the shit out of Chris Weidman. Yeah, he beat him. He beat him twice. The second one 
his leg broke because he had a wicked leg check. Le- wicked leg check, but I mean, he was on his way to he was on his way to winning that. He fight. was he for had sure. Dropped him. He was on Anderson's his way to winning that fight. Rolled back, but I agree. That's with a you. different fighter disagree. than Michael Bisping, though. I think that Anderson Silva, that one. <laughs> so yes. it, it'll be very very interesting. I think the guy that. That sort of left out of the mix is the guy that you said we're going to talk about in a little bit here, Gegard Mousasi, because if he beats Vitor Belfort, then he's sort of sitting there scratching his head because he's just a little bit out of the mix because Vitor Belfort really means nothing at this point. Did you did you get an opportunity to see the weigh-ins today? I did, and that was a completely different Vitor Belfort. <laughs> I absolutely miss TRT. Vitor. Oh my God, he looked like he was—he was one of the world's greatest entertainers. Him, Alistair Overeem. I mean, these guys are—they com- look completely different. I don't know how where you stand on the the use of uh, enhancement drugs for MMA, but I've—I call it kind of fall under the Joe Rogan aspect of it. Like, let's be honest. Okay, we we want to have a certain bit of um, honor in these fights. But deep down, isn't it just a fucking gladiator fight? And don't you want to see the baddest gladiator fighting the other baddest gladiator? And you don't care how they became the baddest gladiator so long as you get to watch the fight? I think these guys are cheating regardless of uh, of whether or not... You know, they're, they're still being tested. I don't think they're being tested as randomly as as they should be. But these guys know how to how to play with the drug testing that's going to happen the week of the fight or a couple weeks out from the fight. So these guys are all doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing regardless if it's the case or not. I I think it It is getting harder for them with USADA coming in and doing the random drug testing. But I still, you are right. I mean, I feel most Olympic athletes at the at the peak are on something. Of course something. they are, yeah. <laughs> and if they can be on it and and somehow get underneath the radar or not even make the radar, I guess. Um, so can a UFC fighter if he has if he has the connections to the right people. How interesting was it that you know UFC Manila got canceled next weekend, not because BJ Penn was off the card, but because the U- the <laughs> the athletic commission in the Philippines wanted to drug test UFC brass. I thought that was a little interesting. <laughs> when you want to that what when you I didn't hear that. Supposedly they wanted to drug test, uh, you know, Dana White and the rest of those guys as well. Why would they? Why would they want to drug test the president of the UFC? I don't know. I thought it, I, I thought it was a little interesting to say the least. I, I'm gonna try and pull up an article here while we chat about something else. But yeah, <laughs> I thought why while, um, why why are they, they doing that? While they are filming. Um, Finding a fighter, finding a fight. What is the name of that? Looking for a fight. Dana? Looking for a fight. Yeah, you could you could tell that um, Uncle Dana might um, eat horse meat. Oh man, like the same type of horse meat that Alistair. Yeah, he's gotten pretty dines on well, and the same sort of horse meat that uh, um, Fertitta. <laughs> I think Fertitta's actually on a whole, whole different type of horse, actually. He is one stacked little nugget. Yeah, holy crap, eh? Yeah, but he's going after like he just looks like he's like a mini bodybuilder in his suit. It's like look at the look at the little look at the little muscles underneath your suit. You're so cute. So according to Jeremy Botter, he writes the government or as first reported by Talk MMA 
who's a Twitter user, at TalkMMA. The Philippines government essentially forced this card cancellation with crazy drug testing issues. To move forward onto another tweet, he said, then says, the government was going to drug test all UFC folks, not just fighters, but staff, production, etc. Any failures for anything, and the government would seize their passports so you can see why it was rescheduled. Holy fuck. Now, if those are the stipulations that they put on it, we know where they're never going back to. Right? <laughs> what? But that has nothing to do with Dana. It's not like they're going after Dana there. They're just setting up some rules that are like, I don't know, Colombian like drug lord type shit. We're going to seize your passport if we find that you're on anything bad. Like, Yeah, it's... Imagine your testosterone level's a little bit high, and then all of a sudden cut to next scene, and you're getting thrown into a Philippine prison. Right? <laughs> that's a that's a fucking movie that Randy Couture could star in. Yeah, I I don't get it personally, but I guess this is the case. And yeah, likely they will not be going back to the Philippines. I I was pissed. So we- I was pissed that BJ pulled out of the fight, and I thought that was legitimately the reason why the card was canceled. But when I read this, I thought, oh my god, holy crap! I wouldn't want to go to How the Philippines either. How do you feel about either. the BJ thing? I kind of like at this stage, I'm like, he can just go away. Yeah, I'm. Still a giant BJ Penn fan, but... Same, and that's kind of why I'm like, he can just go away But now. Ricardo Lamas, uh, yeah, that guy is a wrecking machine, and uh, it would have been a very tough fight to watch. Yeah, I don't think BJ would have won. No. Uh, any of the fights that they had lined up for BJ Penn, I don't see him winning. I mean, they who oh, they had no, him line up against? Dennis Miller. Den- yeah, Miller. But they also uh, had I, 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 Dennis Seaver was a potential opponent, and and that could have gotten ugly as well. So I would have I would have given that one to BJ. I guess depends on which BJ shows up, but I could say that for any fight BJ's going to. Right. <laughs> which B, But I mean, we said that way too many times in BJ's career. E- which BJ shows up? Yeah. Which Vitor shows up? Which Which Anderson? You know what I mean? It all depends. Yeah, it depends. Well, we know who's showing up. The older, slower, fatter version of BJ. The older, slower, fatter version of Anderson. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, we've been watching this for too long. If they've been fighting for 10 years and we've been chomping on everything they've been doing, that means... That tree that they are has been getting hacked at for the last <laughs> ten years. It has to fall. There's absolutely, and we get yeah. to be in, and we get to be in the woods. We get to hear it make the noise. Exactly, and we get to laugh about it if we want to. But if BJ Penn goes in there, I mean that BJ Penn that went in there against Frankie Edgar with that weird, awkward stand-up stance that he had. I wanted him I to walk. That out of my I brain. wanted him to walk right out of that cage and retire right then. <laughs> I've blocked that entire fight out of my head. Just yeah, that just whatever he was thinking, whatever trans, like just gone. Yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> so okay, we got Vitor Belfort versus Gekard Masasi. Yep. Now, as we had just said, uh, Vitor did not look like Vitor of uh, what was that? Two thousand nine, two thousand ten, around there. Any time before. You know, Usada. Usada, and I before he got busted three times first. Exactly. I, I mean, you could say Vitor Belfort of 2014. Even I mean, he he was looking jacked and juiced to the gills just even a year and a half ago. Oh, we could almost say um, Vitor Belfort fighting outside of Brazil. Yes, that work? and he never I wanted remember. to fight outside of Brazil for a while there. I wonder why. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe he knows the people that are coming over and having him piss. Yeah. Just saying. Good thing he's right. not fighting in the he's Philippines. He's a superstar there. 
He's a superstar, though. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't think somebody would cheat for him? I do. For sure they would. In your own country? Yeah. You want you want your own dude to be a fucking superstar? That you do. For sure you do. Right? Yeah, I agree. So, uh, Gekard has been a 50-50 fighter as he's entered the UFC, although he has, in his career, some phenomenal victories over people that he should not have beat, like his knockout of Mark Hunt. But somehow... He hasn't shined the way I thought and hoped he would coming into the UFC. He's another one of those guys, like you say, which Gegard Mousasi is going to show up. Um, well, he's always the, well, well, you know. Well, inside and outside the it's cage. A f- he, he's a guy that just doesn't look like he cares when he's in there. I've seen far too many fighters get inside that Uf- UFC octagon and look very lackadaisical, and he's definitely one of them. He's been able to beat guys and and punch them to shreds and then he goes in there and he you know throws a punch and gets taken down and then gets beaten up it's there's a Gegard Mousasi that is an absolute killer and that Gegard Mousasi has to show up in order for him to get to the top of the rankings which seems like he wants to do but won't get there with a victory over Vitor Belfort um but I do see they have Vitor, and that once again we'll go back. Don't want to harp too much on the rankings being what they are, but they have Vitor as number five. They do, and they have him as number nine. Yeah, I know, but or by him I mean Gecko. Yes, but you're beating an irrelevant number five ranked fighter, right? I mean, yeah, he knocked out Luke Rockhold when, as you said, juice to the tits with a spinning back that kick. Was, beautiful, that was so beautiful, beautiful, freaking so finish. Beautiful. That was. That was artistry. That was that was uh, an artist painting a beautiful mural with with a on a canvas. Yeah, but that shit's not happening down. again. So, I I think Gegard wins this fight. I think he wins it by you know just grinding the shit out of Vitor Belfort and not letting him have Odd- any space whatsoever. Oddly enough, is Vitor's last win against Dan Henderson? I believe it is. There we are. Look at that. So that's that's what you get, Vitor. That's what you get for beating up Dan. <laughs> you get to be the co-main as Henderson gets to fight for the belt. Exactly. Congratulations. Yep. Look, you must have pissed somebody off. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. The number thirteenth ranked guy is getting a title shot, and number five. Because it's not like Michael Bisping event. doesn't want to get the Vitor fight back. Yeah. Once again, another spinning heel kick. Exactly. There's yeah, there's a few that he wants to redeem himself from, and. I don't think he'll ever get the shot to redeem himself against Vitor. Uh, probably not. I, I, I'm picking Gekard in this one. Yeah, so sure. am I. And I, I mean, I, I don't even. Submission. We don't even need to, you know, go over it very much. I think it. This fight could very well be a slow, boring three-round fight um, that does nothing for the fans' eyes. Do we want to go any further? Do we want to go into OSP versus Jimmy Manawa? We could, but I also think that one is a fight that you know. Obviously, Manoa has a puncher. Doesn't matter. Has a puncher's chance. <laughs> o- OSP hasn't fought since he lost to John Jones in a shitty performance by Jones, and OSP didn't look terrible, but he wasn't throwing anything. Um, he's definitely a better fighter than we saw out there against John Jones, and I think he'll prove that against Jimmy Manoa if he doesn't get clipped. I think that he's just gonna pick him apart and he uses footwork and his strange striking skills that he has and he could easily knock out Jimmy Manuel, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say second round. Yeah. For sure. It, 
That's, he, that's my take on late it. Late first, early second, he's going to get the job done within the first. He He's not going to have to, you know, rely on the judges' scorecards for this one, for sure. Now, is there any other fight that uh, has your attention? Is there one that's coming underneath the radar? One that somebody, that they, people should be paying attention to? There's a few, actually. I think uh, the first fight that's going to kick off the main card, Mirsad Bektik versus Russell Doan, is a fun, fun fight in the featherweight division. Uh, our local kid, Jeremy Kennedy, was supposed to get this fight against Bektik. Unfortunately, an injury um, for, forced him to not be able to take it. it he was going to take it on a week's notice and then uh, just didn't actually come to fruition. So Russell Doan taking this one on like five or six days notice. And both these guys throw caution to the wind in that cage. So it, that one's going to be a fun one in the featherweight division. I also think... That let's look at this card. Oh man, the main event. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it the main event, but the Fox Sports one prelims um, featured bout Brad Pickett against Yuri Alcantara. Brad Pickett is a very entertaining oh, fighter. Oh man, Always it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter whether he wins, whether he loses. He's going in there and he's going to be throwing friggin' punches in bunches. And uh, yeah, should be really fun. We got a guy, and he's. He's cut all the way down to 135 now. Yeah, he has. Because he was a 155er at one point. He was. That's quite a bit. Yep, he was. and yeah. And it just shows what transpires as they open up these weight divisions and, and giving new life to uh, old fighters. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's been around the block, man. He's he's fought the who's who's, and uh, in the WEC, he fought huge, huge named fighters that have come over into the UFC and done good things. He also runs his own promotion out of the UK. He trains at American Top Team down in Orlando. Uh, one of our writers, Polly, Dr. Polly Gloves, he uh, is actually one of Brad Pickett's trainers, and uh, he's over there in the UK for this fight. So looking forward to this bout. I, I think Brad Pickett has a tough one in him against uh, the Brazilian here, but he always has a puncher's chance. Hence, and hence the I nickname. also feel he could be he could be a good um, contender for the next uh, Two Face, <laughs> just by the UFC photo they they put up. I I they I, it's funny what they Photoshop for on these fighters, yeah. and what they don't Photoshop on these fighters. It's like okay, he's chiseled, he looks great, and I know it's perfect lighting, and you've you've worked with the with the uh, contrast, and you couldn't have fixed his that. Thing going on, oh, fuck it, right? <laughs> I, he has a few pock marks on his face, and uh, yeah, let's not get rid of any of that acne. No, let's let's just let everybody <laughs> see Two Face in action, <laughs> and hopefully he never listens to. Hell, they probably else. added abs on him and stuff, but they didn't do anything to his face. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> I know, unless these guys are standing there and flexing for like a solid like. <gasps> Take the photo. <laughs> <laughs> they've they photoshopped the fuck out of these dudes. The funniest I see the I I see them fighting. I know what they actually look right? like. Right. The funniest thing I saw was a a photo from Stefan Struve, who's on this card as well. You know how they do those pre-fight like uh, they film them so they have to shadow box and stuff like that. And right before the fight starts, they show them shadow boxing while they're doing their little pre-fight amble the interview and whatnot and Stefan Struve was too tall for the cameras so they made him actually sit on a couple of like milk crates and punch at the friggin camera because he was way too tall oh that's fucking beautiful dude seven feet tall is too tall for their cameras their tripods couldn't even go up that high <laughs>
Uh, one of the more funny Photoshop jobs I recall was when Dan Hardy was fighting uh, George St. Pierre for the welterweight championship, and they removed all of his um, tattoos yeah. from his stomach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Some man. sort of religious tattoos, Tibetan or something like that, that maybe wasn't as politically correct as the UFC wanted to be. And, and I'm still trying to figure out how... At any point, the UFC was trying to be politically correct as it's being run by Dana White, who has gone off the cuff and um, said just hurtful and disturbing things. Exactly, yeah. So many people over the years. Yes. Throwing his favorite, his his number one fighter underneath the bus or calling women, um, I, I'm not even going to say it on the air because you're on the show and it's not the type of show we're having today, but you you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and probably only you and I right now know what I'm talking about. No one or else needs Loretta. to know. <laughs> yeah, Loretta. She got she got thrown under a couple verbal bosses, lost her job, all because of good Dana. Yep. That has happened far too many times where he's just decided to, you know, just let out some verbal diarrhea. <laughs> Do you think now that the Fatitas don't have uh, um, muzzle, noose? Uh, collar around his neck then maybe he'll go back to doing some of the things he was doing like his like his video blogs and stuff like that i don't think he will i think the ufc no. is moving into a direction that is far too polished i think that wme img these guys um are very very technical when it comes to doing what they're going to do and i think that uh we're gonna see the ufc look a little different within the next year uh, more NFL-ish? Uh, well, yeah, it, it's just going to be a lot more polished, I think. It, it, as if it's not already. I mean, it's very, very... Compared to what it used to be, it's definitely through the roof. But uh, I think these guys... I mean, they're an entertainment mogul. They're huge in the entertainment industry. They're going to be bringing things far, far further forward than, than we've ever seen before. I mean, the... The Fox deal is is coming up in the not so distant future, and and we could see them moving over to an even bigger network uh, with what WME has lined up. So, not that I know anything, but I I've heard you know sort of rumblings that these guys are are trying to take things in a bit of a not different direction, but a bigger and better direction. That's hard to think that it can get bigger and better than what it is right now, because I at no point when I would. When I first got into MMA 13, 12, 13, 14 years ago, um, waking up on Saturday morning so I could watch Pride and, and stream it off of my computer, at no point did I ever think that we would be where we are today. 52 weeks in a year, 54 cards. Oh, man, yeah, it's absolutely insane. But, I mean, may maybe they might scale it back a little bit. Maybe they might not do 54 cards a year. Maybe Who knows what's going to happen, but I just think that – with the fact that these guys have so much uh, sort of savviness when it comes to to television and movies and and all this other kind of stuff, I just I think we might see something a little different. Um, to move it forward just a little bit, our next card, um, what is it? What's the one in Toronto? Two oh five. Two oh six. Two oh six. So for two oh six, do you think George makes his comeback? Because they have announced the. That um, there will be the rematch between Anthony Rubble Johnson and Daniel Cormier for the 205 championship, but they haven't said that it's the main no, event. No, I've heard, I've heard rumblings that it's the co-main event. 
Um, there's been some shitty rumors out there that the main event, you know, is going to be George St. Pierre coming back and he's fighting Anderson Silva in the main event. But does that actually happen? I hope not. I mean, it'd be. I don't want to. I've never wanted to see that fight. No, I, I mean, in, in the heyday, it was something that was, you know, cool because it was that, you know, it was when we wanted super fights to happen. We wanted that big super fight, and, and it never came to fruition when the time was right. So why make it happen now? That's like, you know, bringing Fedor in and having him fight the UFC heavyweight champion. Fedor's time is not now. He just about got beat. He might have actually gotten beat by Fabio Maldonado in their fight in Russia, but he won because the judges were paid by him. I mean, I had called it a draw. Yeah, it, it, it was a draw that. in it my. Was a draw. It was a draw for sure, in my opinion. I mean, Fedor was getting he got you rocked in the first easily, round. Easily, you could have easily leaned towards Maldonado. You could have easily fight. stopped the fight. <laughs> Twice, <laughs> right? So I mean, they they don't need to bring George back. Uh, the guy has gone out on his shield, like we said in this main event at UFC 204, Bisping and Henderson. Either one of these guys could go out on their shield after this fight. George has already gone out on his shield. He doesn't need to come back into the octagon and prove anything, let alone fight Anderson Silva, who's already sort of, you know, ruined his legacy by doing stupid things inside the octagon. So why bring George back to do anything, anything? Along those lines, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely stupid to bring George back unless he really, really wants to. Yes, it's huge for the Canadian MMA fan base. And the rumor is he is the 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 hurdle that the UFC has is his asking price of ten million dollars. Yeah, I don't. I mean, does does he deserve to get paid that much to fight? Definitely, he deserves a hell of yep. a lot of money, but. Is it worth it for the UFC to pay him $10 million at this point in his career? No. Probably not. No. They don't need him. They want him. It's a it's a spectacle fight. It's it, it it's a fight that needs to go on in Bellator, to be honest with you. Those guys are the guys that are putting on the friggin' marquee spectacle sort of circus fights. And Anderson Silva versus George St. Pierre or George St. Pierre at this point in either of their careers is definitely a spectacle fight. Yeah, it was funny because at one point I was fearful of this fight. I like there's such a huge size difference between these two men. Like massive difference. And Anderson was just a wrecking ball. But then after, you know, then I kind of changed the view for a little bit after watching the Chael Sonnen fight. I'm like, "Oh, George would just slaughter him then. Just fucking hump him, hump him for five rounds." Now at this stage, I just don't want to see Anderson back in the octagon. It's not even so much that I don't want to see George back. I'd love to see George back if it's the right fight, you know? But I can't even think of what fight I would like to see George in at this stage. Like, nothing really comes to mind. No, I, I can't. So, yeah, I don't see him fighting yeah. anyone. I don't. You know what? Sure, I'll, 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 I'll watch him fight Nick again, just because cause I just like Nick. Fuck, I don't care. I'll fight, well, I'll Nick in the phone booth versus the phone book. Okay, where do I sign? I'll fight. I'll watch. How much? Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that fight too, but it's not one that, you know, it, it doesn't excite me by any means in, in terms of nope. the fight itself. There isn't a George St. Pierre fight that entices me. It really, like, sure, if George wants to come back, that's great, but I love the fact that we have this guy that did what he did and then bounced. Exactly. And George St. Pierre, every single time he entered that octagon, I was scared shitless 
that he was going to lose. I knew he wasn't going to lose, but I knew there was that chance that he could get clipped because we saw it happen against Matt Sarah. And Matt Sarah, you you were probably not that far off for me. Every and every George St. Pierre after that fight, once he clinched and took that first takedown, you probably threw your hands in the air and you're like, "We have this." Exactly. He yes. took him down. So I nerve every fight UFC 100 when he took on Tiago Alves scared shitless that Tiago was going to clip him it, it, it didn't Still one of his one of one of George's best performances oh for sure that, that was, didn't was matter crazy. who he fought I was scared Dan Hardy could have clipped him but would have never happened you know I mean that was probably the only one I wasn't scared there's so of. many fights where I was just nervous of him coming inside that octagon and getting clipped now why the hell would I want him to come back after a few years off and go in there when these guys have gone that much further than he has. Yeah, he's been training in the gym, but not training. That's the one. Not training for a fight, it, though, right? You know, he's training in there because he wants to train. These guys, like, imagine him fighting Wonder Boy. Jesus Christ. Wonder Boy. I don't know, man. Wonder Boy's the next champ for sure. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with that. Like, don't get me wrong. Woodley has once again a puncher's chance to to knock out Wonder Boy, but I do feel he'll get picked apart and then eventually knocked out himself. I don't think he's ever going to um, get inside. I don't think he's going to have a chance to get inside. It's going to be all. tough. It it's going to be tough. Um, I I the one I don't want to see George come back. I want him to retire the way he's retired and 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 fucking just go do Under Armour ads and shit like that. Whatever. Go go be in. Age of Ultron four, yeah. you know what I yeah, mean, like for sure. Um, but the one thing I can say about his division is that he he didn't move along when he left. It stayed exactly where it was. If you think about who was who was champion pretty much the whole time he was gone, two people. Yep. And where are they now? Yeah, you're you're completely you know what I mean? right. And then Rory left and. Rory, you know? so the, the division just isn't there. No. Especially after watching Damian Maya dismantle Carlos Condit. Yeah. Like, the division is in shambles. Like, the, that used to be the reigning division. And now it is literally in shambles. If you look and you compare, and I don't want to keep going back and forth in the George St. Pierre, uh, Anderson Silva, but if you look what the legacy that Anderson Silva built, I mean, the, the, what he built his legacy on, the people he beat, nobody's. George beat... Everybody. Oh, he beat the who's who in the welterweight division for sure. And numerous times too, some guys. Like, I I swear to God, after Anderson fought and he beat whoever it was, let's say, uh, whoever it was, I think Chael might have been the only one that didn't. I think they all went on to lose their next fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, look, the UFC and fan bases out there everywhere considered Matt Hughes the greatest welterweight of all time before George St. Pierre came in there. And he obliterated Matt Hughes. Oh, it was barely a fight. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was that was. I had a, I had a thing in my heart for a long time for Sacramento, California, for that. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where he won the belt. I know, I know. Anyways, that's only you and I that know and remember that. <laughs> uh, I think that's enough time on MMA. Yesterday, I did an entire show on. Uh, Superhero crap. I actually listened to that uh, podcast that you did on the Awesome Hour. Yep, and then today <laughs> it's MMA crap. Yeah, so I guess it's a niche audience for those two, these two episodes. Yeah, I've really, I've really turned my back on a few people, and even I did say that I'd be back with Tita and Mark for the next show. <laughs> well, I lied. Oops, sorry guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy that I had the opportunity to uh, 
get to chat with you again. It, it has been too long. We we need to do this monthly. I once a month we need to go on each other's shows. We have to you know shoot the shit. Not there isn't anybody I know that except for Jeff. Jeff's crazy though, right? He's got he's be, he's got a mind of his own. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So outside of Jeff and, and uh, a few other people, there's very few people I can actually have such an in depth conversation about MMA with. I, so I I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate you. Uh, being as knowledgeable not as knowledgeable as you are on these topics. I appreciate that. I th- I thank you for having me on. I'm gonna post this on my site as well because I I think we could you know get the traffic up there no matter where. Yeah. No why don't you let all of Why don't you let all of my listeners know everywhere that they can find you from MMA Sucker to the UG Underground, whatever it is. Let everybody know so they can go check you out. Well, there's way too much, so uh, you can check out MMASucka.com, M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A.com. Um, that's where you find all the articles and whatnot. We recently partnered with Last Word on Sports, so we went from about 9 or 10 writing staff to mid-20s to almost 30 writing staff on the site, which is through the roof, and that's great. We got a couple new podcasts up on the site as well, so we got a bit of a, a network going on on that uh, website. You can check out Sucker Radio, which... Doesn't happen as often as it should, but uh, there's a couple other podcasts over there that you can listen to as well. Um, you can check out the UG podcast, the Underground podcast on MixedMartialArts.com, as well as LineUpMedia.fm. They are a production company, which I love. I do not have to do any of that background production shit anymore for that show. They do it all. I simply, I don't even send it to them. Uh, my co-host Chris actually sends them all the files and they do everything themselves. They implement the ads. They do everything. I do not have to do a thing. I love it. That's the way podcasting should be. Um, so you can check that out over there. Uh, you can check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are heard. And my other show, um, sort of the personal one that I do that gets me out of this mixed martial arts bubble that I am in, is called The Wonder Brand Show. Um, I had Dave actually on my very first episode. I hope to have him on that one again so we can shoot the shit about some other stuff, not just RDS um, and Ellis Mania and all that other crap because that was fun, and we will do that again. You can check that show, the Wonder Brand show, out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, you know, all those other outlets. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Google Play. Google blah, Play, blah, blah, yeah, blah. all that other shit. Just check all of those shows out and rate us, comment, you know the trick. Do all that stuff helps us out. Download, subscribe, do whatever you can, spread the word. Exact amount. Jeremy Brand. Jeremy Brand, thank you so much for coming on. Um to all the listeners, uh, I know I said that Tita and Mark would be on today's show. Well, I lied, and sometimes you just gotta get used to people lying to you. That is how this world works. Um, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for tuning in and peace out.